I think it is humanoid and racist. I think right. it is racist because it is humanoid. That that's fucking deep, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to No Clip. I'm Chad Rutherford, and I'm Andy Kinnick. And today we're going to be talking about Blasphemous, which was developed by the Game Kitchen and published by Team Seventeen, and was released in 2019. But first. Hey everyone, uh, welcome if you're new, and welcome back if you're not. Um, we are kind of a small podcast, and we would like to have some more like audience interaction, and uh, so it would help us out a lot if you could give us like a like, or you know, or share the podcast somewhere, but throw it up on Reddit or something, we'd really appreciate it. So we don't usually do this sort of thing, we thought we'd give it a try. Subscribe for more. Yeah. So Blasphemous is a 2D side-scrolling platform Metroidvania game in description. Uh, But I think very accurately we can say it is a Souls-like game. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're pretty open about their inspiration, I guess, so to speak, uh, as far as this game goes. And a lot of the hallmarks that make up this sort of, like, subgenre of indie Souls-likes are present here. Yeah, it's definitely riding that wave that kind of started with things like Salt and Sanctuary and Dark Mouse and all that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, yeah, and it mixes. Yeah, it's kind of got its hands in Castlevania, Metroid, and Dark Souls, you know, wrist deep. Yeah, <laughs> just a little bit. It's, yeah. it's, it's a little bit in there. Uh it's interesting like to talk about the design of this game and like what it draws from Dark Souls because there are elements of it that come from it, but it's a lot less like Dark Souls than some of those other games that you mentioned. I've never played Salt and Sanctuary, or at least not for very long. Yeah, it's uh, trying to just be uh, 2D Metroidvania Dark Souls. Right. Just like on its face. Yeah. And I guess there's like some distant comparison that you can make between Dark Souls and a Metroidvania, even though, like, you pretty much never have to go do anything in a Dark Souls game in order to, like, then go back and do something else. Yeah, it's kind of more in the world design Mm -hmm. and the way it's interconnected and stuff. Uh, But this game feels a lot more like uh, that... It's taking that world design in the way that Dark Souls did. Because this game has abilities and stuff, but uh, with the exception of a few... uh, like I forget what they call them in this game, relics or something, uh, that give you a few additional options. Like there's one that lets you talk to corpses and one that creates little blood platforms. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of them don't actually help your traversal. And even the one that makes platforms is not something that comes up as far as like mainline progression goes. Yeah, I was confused as to why that started happening as I was playing. I didn't realize what triggered that. Yes, you had picked up an object yeah. that let that happen. I did kind of ignore uh, item descriptions in this. Yeah. The <laughs> uh, one thing that we will probably not be talking about, at least not until after the break, is the the lore and narrative of this game because everything is kind of gated behind this lore button mm-hmm. that you can press on all the items. But when you press that button, it brings up this big wall of text, and there was very little incentive for me to actually read and understand that. Yeah, same here. 
I actually thought that it might have uh, pulled you in because you're so into the aesthetics and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that that is actually what my next point was going to be. Um, and I think probably a good enough place to start as far as breaking this actually down. I'd agree. Uh, the While the, like, world building is set up in this, like, very grandiose sort of way, uh, you're given, like, a big speech by a dude in a big green pointy hat at the beginning of the game, and every boss has this, like wordy ass name like they have all of these qualifiers tacked on Mm -hmm. it's never just like john it's like john betrothen of the white evangelist yeah like some shit like that very over overly like gaudy biblical name gaudy both g-a-u-d-y and also (laughs) g-o-d-y yes both uh so it's this like yeah all of this stuff kind of goes into it but really and I, I will say, I was drawn into the world, but it had nothing to do with any of that. The visual style of this game is, like, uniquely cool. And in, like, the the most prototypical cool <laughs> definition. <laughs> yeah, it. Um, I was looking at the Wikipedia page, and it said that it was specifically inspired by 19th century Spanish uh, art. And specifically, it references this guy named Francisco Goya and this painting that uh, is called A Procession of the Flagellants. And I have it here for you to look at because I figured you probably wouldn't have seen it. Uh, I mean, you are most likely, right? So, yeah, if, if you're interested, you can you can look that up, listener. But, yeah, that's what it looks like. If you are driving, do not Don't do Google that, yeah. this. I implore you not to. Oh, man. So... To describe for those of you who are driving and are not going to look this up, uh, it's like a, I feel like I don't have the vocabulary to describe this in the way that you might, mm-hmm. <laughs> but this is clearly the inspiration for the the penitent one's like headdress. Yeah. Uh, it it's Imagine like a, a Ku Klux Klan hood, <laughs> but divorced from any of that context. It's like a religious hood. Uh, there are ones in the white hoods that are the flagellant ones. Who look like they've been whipped here. And there's ones in black that look like they are like the the law that is punishing them. They're the whippers. Yeah, the whippers. As opposed to the whippies. But yeah, it's like very much like a procession of... It kind of reminds me of the uh, Stations of the Cross, like Jesus carrying the cross. It's very much people being uh, led to like a an execution of some kind, but being punished for it first. Yeah. So the world that they set up in this game is one in which, uh, there's like this thing that is called the miracle that we can basically just, uh, operate as like a stand in for like a, uh, some kind of deity character. And the people who, or like rather your main character and the people who go on these pilgrimages that you, are on in the game are referred to as penitent ones, which are people who are trying to, who feel guilty about something. Uh, in this case, I believe like sort of a, uh, original sin type. Everyone is guilty kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and so your character doesn't speak and that's by design. And then like the, the pain that you feel going through the game is supposed to be sort of symbolic of that. Mm-hmm. And 
I think that they they do they made that the sort of like thematic crux of the game to uh draw the comparison to like the repeating deaths and retries of a Dark Souls game uh and to put it into some kind of a context. But the way that they draw all of that shit is by making everything just like it's like it's pixel art but it's also very like intentionally brutal and yeah. i think this animation really sells in this game yeah the animations really stand out um i've heard this sort of high detail pixel art being referred to as high bit art nice uh it that feels kind of weird to say but i like the term when it's written down <laughs> um it doesn't have a good mouth feel you know no nah. uh but yeah the very high detail and the animations i I drew the parallel to Castlevania with a lot of the um, enemy animations being very elaborate. Mm. This has a similar thing going on, but it's kind of in all of its character animation. Unless just like flashy death things like in Symphony of the Night. Yeah. Well, Symphony of the Night, uh, which we just played in October, so that we have or before that. I don't remember. Uh, a little before that, like September or something. Yeah. So we just played... Uh, Symphony of Night fairly recently, and the difference here is that like the anim- the death animations for the enemies in Symphony of the Night all involved them exploding violently. Yeah. Uh, whereas this game has more of a like the pu- like a puppet getting its strings cut, sort of like collapsing human body thing, mm-hmm. but everybody sort of like melts into nothing at the end of it. Um, but I, I do like the comparison still because I feel like Castlevania is uh, another game that gave a lot of time and attention to the enemy sprites and making them look as detailed as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see the inspiration being pulled here as well. Um, the extra technology allowing them to do some interesting things with like parallax backgrounds and stuff like that. Yep. Uh, I, we talked about in the on our other series, No Clip Pocket. Uh, trademark, trademark, trademark. Check it out. Yeah. Um, we talked about Tamashi, which was a indie horror platformer, and how we talk. We talked in that episode about the religious imagery and like this kind of corruption of religion theme, and how we were into that. Yeah. And I did some more thinking on that because this game also has a lot of religious imagery, and it plays with it as to be creepy and unsettling mm-hmm. and uh i don't know if i compared tamashi to demon souls but um <laughs> i probably didn't because it didn't uh wasn't as a direct a comparison but i would compare this a lot to demon souls in the way that it kind of harkens back to things like the inquisition and the crusades and like terrible things that were done in the name of religion back then mm-hmm. when that's kind of all you really had for an understanding of the world. Uh, so the ideals got carried out to like extremes that you don't see anymore. Well, not that much anyway. Um, and I just, I, I like that this game plays with that sort of stuff. Uh, it's just, it's really like, it creates a thick atmosphere. There's like, I think it's something that we're all kind of conscious of, but we don't give a lot of thought to. And I like art that, brings those kinds of things to the surface yeah that's actually a good way of putting it like when you boot up a lot of games uh 
and I'm not saying all, I'm not saying this is like a direct standout or anything. Just sort of like generally speaking, games. Uh, it's like a coin flip as to whether or not they're going to evoke this response. But when you pull up Blasphemous, it's like something about the fact that you have to sort of like learn the world in order to get around and do things in it, in addition to the strong visual design, really makes it feel its own like it, it like as much as you know i i try to avoid using words like immersion when talking about like the atmosphere of a game it is an immersive atmosphere it's something that like you have to kind of accept everything that's happening because the gameplay itself is so environmentally based uh and i think that like the with that combined with the strong visuals make it uh, like let it kind of creep up above uh, what I would normally expect from this kind of a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to mention, cause you're bringing up uh, like the inquisition and the crusades and stuff, which this does evoke uh, is I think that there's like an element of old religion. And this game is obviously like predicated on the idea of like old Christianity mm-hmm. uh, for a lot of its symbols and et cetera, et cetera, all like the visual elements. But I think that there's sort of a general confusion and like, <laughs> I don't know, like a public fear over the idea of old religions. Like it's something that feels because of the ritual and because of the like, antiquated nature and often like the violence of it things that people did way back in the day that they just thought were the normal thing to do come off as culty and strange to us now like Mm -hmm. it reminds me of like midsummer uh the movie that just came out not the season uh (laughs) where like these people go to uh this like nordic area i don't exactly know where they are uh i think it's sweden uh and like experience these like old religious rituals that occur and it takes them off guard and i think that's sort of the basis for a lot of these like cult related media and this game plays into it as well except it just puts you in the time period so even your character is supposed to accept everything as normal right uh which I think we've gotten away from the visuals a little bit <laughs> on that, but the thematic elements of it really do add a lot. Yeah, yeah, I didn't want to let that slip away without mm-hmm. mentioning it. I mean, I don't think that we could. The game is called Blasphemous, <laughs> right? Which, like, is more or less <laughs> like you know what you're getting into when you start the game, right? Uh, and it really did reel me in because the game explicitly states up front that your goal is to kill God, <laughs> which is my, the, my favorite plot point in all JRPGs. Right. Uh, yeah. So uh, one of the things that the game sold me on, because I've actually been looking forward to this game for a long time, uh, whether the actual experience of playing it lives up to that like expectation that I had you'll have to listen to find out <laughs> but uh in all of that that sort of drew me in was this gif that they posted on their kickstarter page uh of what ended up being the first boss of the game which is this like big like deer looking guy he's like a 25 foot tall deer and he rips the head off this statue and smashes you with it like that's the whole like 
that was what they had animated. They're like, this is that thing. Here's the thing that you do. And that like smooth animation, the creature design, and the idea of fighting big giant bosses really are what drew me in, I think. And the game really does deliver on that often. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you enjoy the bosses in this game? Yeah, they're one of my favorite parts about it. Uh, it Another thing that made me think Castlevania, or even more generally maybe just uh, like PS1-era sprite-based games like this, is they always like put an extra level of detail into the bosses that they couldn't do with the normal enemy sprites, or they didn't do, uh, where there's a lot... It feels like there's a bunch of different layers and like moving parts to them, and they take advantage of like the foreground and background in some of them, like with mm-hmm. the hands coming up and the hallway boss. That's like my favorite boss in the game. Yeah, so there is a lot of visual spectacle to them, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, and I think that the visual design is really where they shine as well. This is one of those odd games where I actually do like the bosses uh, a whole lot. Like a lot more than the moment to moment like i'm usually the opposite with it if i enjoy a game it's usually because the majority of the game is what's cool and the bosses can either be highlights or lowlights for me mm-hmm. in this game the bosses really sort of like took a a pretty big chunk of my attention uh as i was playing and a, a lot of it is that visual the animation the the actual design of them uh, I do love that fucking guy just being held up by all those hands. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just so, like, they're, they're really creative, and they're really big, and they're really, like, these whole events when you run into them. Uh, the baby with the scorpion tail is, like, the insane. Like, it's it's weird to even think about the what went into making that design. Mm-hmm. Uh and I, I wish that JJ was here for this because I want to know what he felt about the smaller man-sized bosses, who I am, I'm generally less a fan of. That's classic, uh, classic Chad. Mm. Now this game definitely, it had less of those, um, the human humanoid-sized bosses, um, and they don't. I don't think they really play into what I like about those kinds of bosses, where they feel like they're putting you up against something with similar skill sets to you. They kind of just felt like beefed up regular enemies to me. Yeah. So I I don't think he would have been super high on those, (laughs) but I don't want to speak for him. Yeah, they they definitely put more stock into the giant uh, abomination bosses. Yeah. Uh, And actually, I want to bridge sort of into talking uh, a little bit about the mechanical experience of all of it, but... Uh, I've heard a lot of talk online about the prayers, uh, which are like the spells in this game, Mm -hmm. um, and how they're like useless. Uh, And I actually don't agree with that, but I feel like their use predominantly shines in the boss fight specifically. Uh, I don't think I'd say that they're useless, but I almost never used them. Uh, We talked forever and ever ago on the kingdom hearts episode about how you end up neglecting a lot of your abilities because it's always the most efficient and easy thing to just hit things with melee attacks yeah this game had a similar problem to me or it's not really a problem it's just kind of the way i took to it Mm -hmm. where the parry was so good 
and like regular melee attacks got the job done with pretty much any enemy that I just kind of ended up forgetting about the spells a lot of the time, like in the heat of the moment. Yeah. And yeah, bosses, it probably would have helped with several bosses, but I was already in the habit of not using them, <laughs> uh, which also made the the guilt mechanic, like where you die and you drop guilt, kind of meaningless for me. Yeah, it feels great. Well, I mean, even somebody who uses the magic more often, uh, which I'm assuming is me, uh, it's still, it's still kind of toothless. Like it doesn't do enough. I think there's a couple of like factors to that. Um, obviously they wanted the death mechanic in this game to be less punishing because, uh, like the game has a lot of platforming and a lot of kind of one hit kill deaths, uh, which is, I think, unfortunate. I think the game probably should have toned back on that a little bit. But uh, because of that, they didn't want you to be, like, missing a jump and then, like, losing health or something. Uh, but one, your fervor feels really slowly. And two, like, from melee attacks. Mm-hmm. And two, like, your the spells, like, your reward for getting it isn't really that high. So it, it doesn't feel like a huge loss. It's like you lose a mild convenience every time that you die. And it's even kind of rare that it ever makes much of a difference. Yeah. Uh, Especially with the run up to the bosses usually being pretty short. Mm -hmm. It's really, I found it easy to almost always make it back to where I had died previously. Yeah. But was there a particular reason why you did like and engage with the spells? Oh, right. Uh, I think that... It, well, it, it it was less that I engaged with them. I engaged with one spell specifically when I was in the overworld, and it was the like call lightning spell because there would be situations where you were just underneath of shit, and you could just call lightning, kill the thing, and then move on with your day without worrying too much about it. Mm-hmm. And you'd only use it like two or three times, and like my my fervor bar not to comp- not to <laughs> have a fervor bar measuring contest here but it was pretty massive by the end of the game mm-hmm. uh so you could still only use it i think like four times was the max like right around there um but one you get a huge re- like maybe a complete refill every time that you pick up your uh fervor or your guilt your guilt fragment that's yeah. what it's called uh you get a refill on it whenever you pick that up, and then in addition, the spells are so, like, mediated throughout. It made it real simple to just sort of, like, manage that. Uh, but then in the boss encounters, I felt like there were some spells that just did so much against certain bosses. Uh, like, the Call Lightning spell is really good against, uh, like, the the Hands Man. Yeah. Because it hits him, and it also will hit the Hands uh, and like the the ground puck fire m- yeah. magician attack uh, was good against the jumpy jail cell guy uh, because he would like hang out in the top right corner of the screen and you could lag out the game by hitting him with that spell <laughs> like 50 times in one attack. So I don't know. It felt like to, to some extent earlier on in the game, I felt like the spells were there specifically to be used against bosses like in a Zelda game. Mm. Like I was like, oh, I got my flame puck spell. So I use the claw shot against the eyeball on the boss guy. But then it, later it turned out that it really wasn't the case. I just happened <laughs> to use them against some of the bosses. Yeah. 
So you just like didn't do that? No. <laughs> yeah, I, I legitimately <laughs> kept forgetting about them. Mm. That is a, a whole thing. And you beat this game in like a couple of days, didn't you? Yeah. I, I found the difficulty to be generally pretty easy um, with some exceptions up until the end. Yeah. Uh, that is... Okay, so the game's... Like and I think it comes down to the parry being so easy to uh, execute. Yeah, it almost certainly does. There's like a, a penultimate boss that is like a, it's built up like it's supposed to be like a whole thing. Mm-hmm. There's like a corpse you can talk to that's like the we're, the greatest knight of this or any era is in the next area, and she's gonna really kill your ass so good uh and like the whole and she gives a speech before the fight about how she's gonna kill your ass so good Mm -hmm. and then her entire boss fight comes down to parrying just parrying her attacks yeah (laughs) like she killed me a couple times but Mm -hmm. then my the time that i did beat her she did like barely any damage to me it's weird like and then, like, some bosses the parry does nothing against, like... Yeah, I think that's why the big monster bosses are better in this game, because you can't parry them. Right. Uh, yeah, but it, it takes a lot of the challenge out of the overworld combat, and it takes the challenge out of any human-sized bosses. So, the only time that you really feel like you're utilizing your tool sets is against those big bosses. Um, which, I think, is when we're going to talk about the actual like mechanical running around in this game uh because this is where the game loses points at least in my opinion oh yeah because i don't think i like the design of the world for just to get it out of the way i think it's like generally good um once again the visuals really carry it like the big library area with the paintings is fucking cool Mm -hmm. uh yeah it, it felt very streamlined for a metroidvania like yeah. it didn't feel like as expansive and I have to go back and check everywhere every time I get to a new thing and it it felt more straightforward and I I liked that. Yeah. I I think that's sort of that was the concession that they made because none of the abilities you get are necessary for progression. Mm-hmm. Uh they don't really want you to go back through areas and explore unless you're going for some like completionist type yeah thing. it's more about like the combat than it is about like upgrades and stuff mm-hmm. uh and yeah because of that the world itself is very it's linear like it's not supposed to be linear they claim that the game is open world but it is pretty much you enter an area you go from point a to point b in that area then you move on to the next area there are only a couple of places where areas intersect and when they do they're usually part of a prescribed path just to get somewhere else uh so it's less about picking paths and navigating and more about just sort of like overcoming gauntlets which feels more like dark souls in that way or rather it feels more like dark souls 3 yeah whereas the world design clearly wanted to be dark souls 1 they landed about five years too late. Right. Yeah, I felt like it had a nice difficulty curve to it, though. As I said I thought it was kind of easy, but I do. I, it felt it was easy to get into, which I really appreciated. Because as I mentioned earlier, uh, Salt and Sanctuary and other games like I tried um, Death's Gambit, 
mm-hmm. in a few other games kind of like this uh, mechanically. And I've kind of bounced off of them because they feel like they try to get into the meat too fast. And I felt like this felt a lot more accessible and easy to just kind of to to start out in than uh, a lot of other indie games, I thought. Yeah, this nails that uh, curve, like you said, like better than most Souls games that I've played or Souls likes. Rather. Yeah, a lot of them are too eager to be like, oh, really challenging mm-hmm. right off the bat. And this eases you in, which was smart. Yeah, for a game that's billed as a dark and brutal 2D platformer, it's it's actually pretty light on the brutal, and I don't, uh, <laughs> <laughs> heavy, heavy on, on the, the oppression. Yeah, heavy on the yeah on the darkness, sort of. Uh, I'm sure it would be darker if I understood the lore more. Mm-hmm. Uh, admittedly like there's lots of gross stuff going on but at the same time like it isn't gross in a uh, in an unappealing way that's probably not the way to put that uh but yeah you get into it pretty quick and they even do the like tutorial boss thing like the thing that like certain souls games are sort of famous for where they're like they throw you against a boss in the first 10 minutes and Mm -hmm. you're like oh my god they must be really fucking serious but like it serves a purpose yeah but this one isn't a you're supposed to die to it first boss like the souls games tend to do yeah and this one is not even how this is more of a udix gunder yeah. Than it is an asylum demon. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's even easier. It's a lot easier than Gundir is. Mm-hmm. It's it's manageable. It might kill you a couple times, but you'll you won't have too much trouble. I wouldn't think. Yeah. But yeah, you go from that into the next area, and like, this is where I think the game's sort of strengths present themselves because as you're going through, everything like feels new and interesting. Has like title cards and shit, and like you're like, oh, what's going on with all this stuff? But the enemies you're fighting are. They're slow. They don't do a whole lot of damage. It's like not super threatening until you get into the actual meat of the game, and then that's when the the path sort of branches. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so the 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 path splits uh, after that first boss, and uh, you have sort of options. It's hard to tell that you have options, at least in my experience. I kind of just plowed right on into the next area and kept going. Uh, and I know when you started the game, you went to a totally different area than me, and that's what kind of alerted me to the fact that there even were multiple paths, and boy, did you choose the shittiest one. (laughs) Yeah, it's one of those things where the different people are going to read design differently than others, because, like, the way that I went also felt like it was just the way forward, which was completely different than the way you went and you thought mm-hmm. you were going the way forward as well. So yeah, it is it is nonlinear. I think you have like three different ways you can go, mm-hmm. at least once you hit that point. Um and everything towards the bridge felt like that was progression to later games. So I went up the mountain, which right. was pretty hard for that point. But I got all the way to the shortcut and then got back to like the little if you want to call it a hub town, yeah. you know, and then went a different way. But uh, yeah, that was that was probably one of the harder parts of the game for me because I tackled that 
early. Yeah, the 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 area that he did first. Uh, if you've played the game, you probably know it as that fucking wind area. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think this is what highlights an element of the game design that I'm not a huge fan of, which is the number of sort of like platforming deaths you can take. Uh, this is a a really rare thing to happen in a Dark Souls game. And it's for a reason. Like, this game, I understand, wants to be more of a platformer. Like, there's more jumping in it. Yeah, it's harder to avoid in a Metroidvania. It's like, platforming is kind of tied into its DNA. Yeah. But in a in a Metroid game, or a Castlevania game, you look at the settings, and I think this is also another reason why this is a thing that happens, is Metroid sets itself on a space station or on a planet i guess planet doesn't really you know it's not allow like forget in that. a lot of caves and things like not open areas yeah and then castlevania was in castles uh <laughs> as you might imagine uh-huh. uh because of like the this area being you climbing up a mountain you it opens up the design for pits to exist uh and pits in a game like this are shitty. Like, they're a way for you to fuck up one thing and then have to start over entirely. Uh, which, this genre of game is actually really good about being forgiving of your fuck-ups. They're supposed to be hard so that you can fuck up a couple of times and still make it. Mm-hmm. And it adds tension and it like builds that in the combat. And then falling in a pit just, it alleviates your tension, but it definitely skyrockets the frustration. Yeah. The platforming didn't give me a lot of trouble, personally. Oh, fuck me. No. (laughs) (laughs) But I've heard a lot of people, I've read some reviews, a lot of people complain about it. Um, And just to make sure I didn't, like, miss anything, like, there isn't a double jump in this game, is there? No. Okay. Uh, I think it would have benefited from one. Because the platforming really isn't the focus. Mm-hmm. Um, I like some of like the wall grabby, you know, stick your sword into the wooden plank stuff. But like, yeah, having to jump between platforms with wind and being able to fall into a pit, uh, <laughs> not playing to this game's strong suits. Yeah, I, I agree. The wall jump is actually really cool. Like there are even some. Oh, there's in fact there's a whole boss that's based around like being able to attack midair, so you can like you know jump into the wall stick to it then like jump off do some attacks on the boss as you go by and land back on the central platform uh and i like that that it gives like a dynamism to the the gameplay it feels more uh unique i think the problems run into uh or the problems that they do run into are like you know when you're making like a level in mario maker and you jump between two platforms and then you look at the Mario Maker jump arc of Mario, mm-hmm. and you go, okay, I'm going to put the platform all the way at the end of where they can jump to. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is where it sucks, because there are elements where you have to jump between a platform and another platform that are just like exactly at the length of your jump, and... It's kind of hard to tell where the collision is. I think, at least for me, what made that sort of stuff difficult in this game was your character's idle pose. Mm. He stands with his legs really far apart, like a nice wide stance. Mm -hmm. And 
when you get to like the edge of platforms, like often like his front foot will be like off of it. Yeah. You know, but like he'll still be on it. And that makes it hard when you're running and jumping to know like when you're at the edge of the platform because right. you're already kind of half off it when you're still on it. So that made it hard to gauge for me. I'd jump early a lot, and I think that was why. Mm-hmm. And his run animation is is equally hard to read because he has this like deep lean forward when he's running. Mm-hmm. So there's always like an element of just like, am I at the edge or not? Uh, which is what makes it hard to do. Uh, I bring up that that windy part as being kind of shitty, but realistically, the part of the game that the uh, the the platformer really stood out to me as being kind of a hindrance is the arch cathedral rooftops like the next to next to next to last area of the game mm-hmm. where you're doing a lot of platforming over beds of fucking spikes that just kill you instantly yeah like if those bounced you like the lava in mario or something yeah uh it would have been a lot more manageable. Like, even let it do, like, most of your health. I don't really care. Just... <laughs> yeah, I think if you're gonna have a focus on platforming, you have to just go for it. Mm. And this game feels like it kind of half-bakes it. Uh, like, you need something more like Hollow Knight, I think, where you have, like, a nice uh, floaty second jump with some mid-air control. Mm-hmm. It makes it easier to kind of bounce back and forth in it opens up to more of that aerial combat stuff uh that we were talking about you know so you just if you're if you're gonna have it you might as well flesh it out more yeah i will also note that like the platforming doesn't really get used in the bosses as well or as much anyway Mm -hmm. there are a couple that have it but because of that it makes it it feels like a separate mode like it, it really emphasizes how satisfying some of the combat can be uh, and how unsatisfying the platforming can be when they don't use it in, like, yeah. their highlight moments. Uh, I don't know. There are also some combat things that are like, like, did you get the down thrust move? Yeah. Did you ever use it? I That was probably my most used ability. Oh, wow. Yeah. The, yeah, the plunging attack or whatever it's they the call it. It's the most reliable move in, in the, the game. game. Yeah, I found myself, like, dropping down onto enemies with that stuff a lot. Apparently you didn't like it. No, nah, I didn't. It just felt so inconsistent. It's, it was like it, the least reliable it, move in the game. It had lag on it, mm-hmm. uh, but I think once you adjusted to that timing, like how that felt, like it was totally fine for me anyway. Yeah. I, I mean, I also, to be fair, didn't use the uh, like supercharge attack much either. Yeah. I used I fell in and out of using like the dash attack. That felt kind of inconsistent, like how you had to hold the slide button and hit the. It felt like it wouldn't work for like a third of the time for me for some reason. Okay, so this is I found the two types of Last of Us players are you and me because I used the dash attack, just literally on every single uh, enemy. It felt it, yeah, weird because it's just like a control <laughs> thing. I didn't experiment enough with it. What if you follow the quest line of the little dude with the cross on his back? Who like the old man? Yeah, he uh, gives you those the toes, Mm. uh, which are rosaries that let you uh, that will alter your like dash cooldown and dash distance. And I just kept equipping those, 
and just like so my dash attack covered the length of like three or four kilometers <laughs> and it was pretty ridiculous yeah. it was really good against the second to last boss the mm. dash attack because he would teleport across a room oh yeah i wasn't sure which boss you were talking about for yeah, a second the, the 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 pope wizard yeah pope <laughs> pope wizard yeah uh oh uh while we're talking about world traversal and things like that um there were parts of the game where I noticed there were like some little branches, like brambly branch things. Is there a spell or is there just a hook shot and I missed it? I think there is one of those uh uh relics, the things that like the, with the blood platforms and the talking mm. to dead people that you can use, but I never found yeah. it. I kept waiting <laughs> that kept making me think I found those early on a whole bunch that this was gonna have metroidvania upgrades yeah and it never did yeah so i actually benefited here from taking a huge break in the middle of this game because i forgot how prevalent those were when i came into the second half Mm -hmm. and they're a lot less prevalent in the second half of the game and so i kind of forgot about it but yeah now that you bring it up it really is bugging me. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I got all the way up to the end thinking that I had, like, missed something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, were there, like, several upgrade items I just missed? Uh, there were a couple things I ran across that I can never interact with. Yeah. I think there there really are, like, because uh, the, the only things that I had were the survive poison gas. Mm-hmm, I had that one. The blood platforms and the talk to dead people. See, I didn't even get the talk to dead people thing. Or yeah. if I did, I never equipped it. Or do you have to equip them? You do have to equip okay, them. Okay, yeah, I never equipped that then. <laughs> uh, but, like, I didn't find the last sword chamber. Uh, I only got to level six. I didn't get to level seven. Yeah, me neither. Uh, and I didn't, I mean, obviously I didn't find all the collectibles. He's like, fucking seven million of them. Yeah. I, I feel like the game didn't really incentivize that. No. Like, I felt like I got up to the end and you know, with what I had, and then I was just satisfied with just beating the game that way. Like, I didn't feel a drive to to comb the world for every little thing. Yeah, you know, you ever play, like, a like a Legend of Zelda game? No. Oh, okay. In those games, uh, they have collectibles a lot of the time uh, that you'll get, like, oh, so many of, and then you go somewhere, and it's like, hey, good work collecting these. This is where you turn those in. For your efforts, here's like a token gift for collecting. You got 10 seashells. Here's a here's a heart piece, whatever. Mm-hmm. That kind of a thing. And I think that really incentivizes... It, it does two things that I think the collecting petrified organs in this <laughs> game does not do. One, it gives you an incentive to care about them. Like, you want to pick them up because you know that, it, like, there are thresholds, and when you meet the thresholds, you get a thing for it. And then, two, it makes it so that when you finish the game without having collected all of them, because nobody's collected all of the seashells in uh, Link's Awakening. Literally, no one has ever done that. Uh, it's documented. <laughs> yeah, there's proof. Uh, and... You get to the end and you don't feel like, oh, I missed something. Like, you know that there you get a thing if you collect all the petrified organs in Blasphemous. But you don't get any reward for it. And there's no fanfare when you drop them off in the cages. In the secret room. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, there's even a cool secret room that makes you feel special yeah, for finding it. That's a that's a good thing to highlight because you you find that mm-hmm. you stand on the platform and they all pop into their little places, and then nothing happens. Yeah. <laughs> like that, and then so you're like, oh, I figured out what these are for, and then you write it off and you never care about going back. Right, because you're like, there's a million of these. I'm never gonna get yeah. all of them. And if you ever come back through, you might stop by and hop up on the altar to watch some more pop in and be like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, no, I think it all, this comes down a lot to like nitty gritty design stuff. Like I think it's a lot of like UI and messaging elements because like in Zelda, that's a really good example because like everything's very simple. You mm-hmm. get hearts. You know what hearts do. Yeah. It's your health. You get the seashells. You know what the seashells are because you go to the little hut that explicitly tells you, collect these seashells for rewards. You know, and they stand out in your inventory and you know that you have them. Whereas in this, they're a little pixelated blob. Like, they're organs. Right. Uh, they're kind of hard to draw <laughs> without any context and just a little square. And like they just kind of pile up in your inventory, and you for, you forget about them. You don't realize you have them. Mm-hmm. You pick them up, and you don't even think about it. It's and not only that, but like they also have the blasphemous trademarked giant wall of text lore mm-hmm. uh, every time you pick them up. And it's one of those things. And I don't know if this is just me, because I do have kind of a history <laughs> of like ignoring things like this. But I always like grab things like that look at them and go, I'll read those later. Later, yep. And then I never end up doing it. Yeah, that's something that's really hard to get right. Um, I think you need to pull the player in first before they care, mm-hmm. but you've been giving them that stuff since the beginning, so they're already conditioned to ignore it. And even if they do start caring, you end up building up a lot. To, exactly. And you have a backlog. Daunting. Yep. Because like I like that kind of stuff, but it's always in retrospect. Yeah. It's after I finish a game and I've liked it and I keep thinking about it and then it's like, oh, I'll go back and read this stuff. Like it's hard to implement that and have a player engage with it in game because you have to stop playing yeah. and read. And it those don't really go hand in hand. Like you don't want to sit there and read for 10 minutes right especially not in a game like this like i did read most of the logs in death stranding because death stranding is a game that's about its negative time so you end up like having moments where you're like you've just finished a whole thing there was probably some escalation of tension and then a release as you complete your objective and then the game mandates that you sleep that you go to fucking bed and so you do that and you get up and you're like you you yourself while playing are now in cooldown mode blasphemous never does that yeah the the uh, private room is like designated uh reading time almost yeah <laughs> it's like you know Nora Reedus takes a nap reads a book whatever he gets up drinks his coffee and reads the <laughs> drinks his log. monster energy he drink. drinks his monster energy and reads the data logs yeah meanwhile the penitent one is not stopping to read a scroll about some guy's fucking liver like right. it just isn't happening uh i think that's all sort of important for that before we get too much into the lore and such do you want to take a break Yes. And come back and then uh, hit that subscribe button. And then uh, (laughs) we'll talk more about sort of like the story and the overall progression through the game. Yep. Sounds good. 
All right. I don't know what the songs of this game sound like. Like, I don't remember them. Uh, me neither. Oh, more on that in the second half. <laughs> So welcome back. Uh, I feel like we went real long on that first half and didn't leave ourselves a ton <laughs> to talk about. Uh, but <laughs> the one thing I do want to get into um, that I mentioned right before was uh, the progression through the game. Mm-hmm. Um, were there areas that stood out either for good or bad reasons? Uh, yeah, there were a few. I can't remember what it's called, but it's in, like, the bottom left corner of the map. You had to make it through there, and you turn on the bridge, or mm-hmm. the platform that goes across a big gap. That area stood out as being challenging. Not, like, super hard, but, like, a nice level of challenge for where I came to it. And it had a couple of brutal... Or at least one brutal platforming challenge with a moving platform where you had to jump up onto obstacles above it and wait for the platform to come across underneath. Yeah. That was pretty hard. Uh, and I liked the little side quest with the old man, like helping him get through places. That area stood out. Um, finding the um, the area where your the penitent one came from, like where the... I don't know. I was thinking of them as like acolytes. Mm-hmm. Um, like their home base was cool and how it looped back to the starting area. Um, the library you called out was cool. Um, yeah, I think those were the major ones. Yeah. I think uh, there's a big difference to me between areas that stood out mechanically uh, and areas that stood out aesthetically to me. Uh, the area with the big bell. I think uh, is one of my favorite areas in the game um, for mostly aesthetic reasons. Uh, mm-hmm. I liked the mechanic of the sound like reverberating through like the different bells as well. Like I thought that was a cool uh, mechanical hook to the area. Uh-huh. Uh, and then like having it all loop around to where when you sound one of them, it like goes all around and then triggers the giant bell in the back. Uh, just just really cool uh, like level design uh, mm-hmm. in a way that's like I feel like a lot of the rest of the game did not quite live up to yeah. uh, going to that place early like the first half of this game I feel like the areas were a lot more varied and a lot more interesting mm-hmm. the second half of the game is all one location mm-hmm. it's it, the cathedral yeah it shifts from a more um metroid style thing to a more castlevania thing because it's all in one building (laughs) yeah uh and even like in the cathedral there's a lot of variance but just not as much Mm -hmm. uh it's more compact yeah and a lot more like vertical climbing Mm -hmm. uh in that which i found generally less engaging um like even the sewer area in this game i thought was cool because every game has to have a sewer area these days uh-huh. uh it's like in the 90s when every game had to have like a space level like this yeah. is now the this is that version uh and i don't know it was neat uh but i also liked mechanically there's an area where there are these dudes who like throw levers that dump lava on you yeah that was also a cool uh sort of 
thing. And from like a platforming perspective, I felt like that was one of the better challenges because there was like this clear goal. And then after you did that, you got to explore other areas. Yeah, I thought the the falling hazards, like the poison and the lava, kind of bugged me, though. Because when you get hit, you, you have a lot of lag. Mm. And I don't know, that felt like overly punishing. Or it could sometimes lead to you then getting hit by an enemy because you're stunned. So it was a little bit clunky, I thought. Well, the hit stun, the amount of hit stun you have in this game is very Castlevania in that you have a whole lot of it and mm-hmm. you aren't invincible during it. You're just going to get hit again a lot of the time. And that's a complaint that like you hear kind of widely about this. Um, I don't know how much the design really respects it. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that becomes a problem. Uh, obviously the biggest thing, at least for me was the final boss of this game, uh, which is luck, the boss, uh, <laughs> And if you get hit by the lightning, and I realize, like, get good scrub, et cetera, et cetera, but, like, if you get hit by the lightning, you just also get hit by the rest of the lightning. Uh, the jail cell boss, as well, had that move where he would, like, jump down from the ceiling. Mm-hmm. If you get hit by one of those, like, you're fucked. You just get hit by all of them. Uh, and I don't know. It's not super fun. I don't love that. And, yeah, it, it definitely shows its face as well in those falling hazards. Yeah. Similarly, I didn't like the uh, the jail area very much at all, but mostly because going through all the fucking doors mm. took so long. I actually liked that as a difference in kind kind of a thing. And I, I liked that it gave the projectile blood boomerang thing. Uh, a use because those charging enemies were a lot easier to take out with that yeah Uh, i don't know i enjoyed tackling that area personally i mean it wasn't a complete misfire a lot of secret rooms and stuff yeah i was into that the actual traversal of it is all that really bugged me about it uh because just going through like having to go through like a loading screen like 11 times in a minute is a bit much I think it would be a stretch to call it a loading screen. Uh, Just a transition. Yeah, these like because it fades to black and fades back in. That's load. They're fu- they're fucking lit. Don't don't let them lie to you, lazy devs, greedy devs. <laughs> Whatever you say, Chan. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but yeah, you go through that transition a whole lot of times. Um. But yeah, uh, that's, I mean, and that's it. Like, the actual Grand Cathedral, like, structure and layout uh, visually was very cool. Uh, they made really good use of, like, their, their backgrounds in that area because it gives you this, like, ever further away cityscape view Yeah, uh, that looks really nice. Yeah, I really liked um, the the elevator that you collected the masks to activate from Mm. the bosses. I thought that was cool and was really intuitive to like understand what that was for. And I liked that, um, the cathedral rooftops linked up to the mountain on the other side of the map. Yep. Uh, those things stood out. Uh, yeah. And also the, like that transitional phase, between the jail and the mountains area where like it everything is in silhouette 
was it cool like they didn't need to do that Yeah, the sunset i wish that would have been a whole area like that just pull a donkey Kong country returns right do sunset level yeah it it was very neat and i i like that they decided to go out of their way to to make an area like that that like you said not a whole area you just mm-hmm. fight two big guys yeah at least there was like a mini boss style thing there so mm-hmm. it's better than nothing yeah uh I don't know. Really, I'm just burning up trying to talk about that <laughs> final boss and how much I disliked it. I mean, we can just talk about it now. Uh, did you ever end up beating it? No. No? I didn't care. Um, <laughs> That's so, the correct response, though. I, I, I don't know if I brought this up to you or not, um, but it's weird how similar in setup it is to the Radiance from Hollow Knight, but a way worse version of it. <laughs> Uh, similar in that you have to fight the false final boss before you can fight it. So you have to go through a whole boss fight if you die to fight it again. Mm. Um, and then it's a boss that's in the background with platforms that you have to hop on to reach it. And it does attacks that are kind of determined by RNG. Uh, but... Yeah, this is just like a way worse version of that. And I gave up on the Radiance, and it was better designed. Uh, and so I just wasn't going to put in the time with this one. Uh, I think the the biggest thing for me was that the platforms kept uh, disappearing yeah. and reappearing. That seemed like an unnecessary element. I read online that they're supposed to be ice platforms huh. to like complete the elemental cycle of, of the boss, because it's like... Fire, lightning, poison, mm-hmm. uh, magic, and then the the platforms are ice. But I don't care. <laughs> yeah, it it just it felt like that unnecessary like final step. Like the challenge of the boss is, can you pay attention to a bunch of stuff at once? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and also can you the, be very lucky. Yeah. Also, the sword familiar from Castlevania is part of the boss, <laughs> and it's like such a. It only ever served to be annoying mm-hmm. because it goes down so easily and in so few hits. Yeah. The only time that it became a problem was when it decided to just Go fucking leave. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's frustrating. Uh, and then you end up off screen trying to hit the damn thing while like projectiles are flying at you and you can't avoid them anymore because you yeah. can't see yourself. Also, like you're healing doesn't heal you for very much for no reason like they just decided that they wanted to throw as many cheap things as they could mm-hmm. into the fight it feels like um yeah and this made me think about uh just like iteration time as a concept we've talked about uh, a bunch and i'm usually more lenient on that than mm-hmm. you and jj because i'm me but um I I really disliked it in Hollow Knight that I had to refight the Hollow Knight over and over again to fight the Radiance, and I hate it even more in this game uh, because of the stupid uh, Wizard Pope. Yeah. Uh, even once you get good at it, it can be hard to do that boss without taking uh, much damage. Because he's also random. Yeah. Like... And also, like to make it even worse, after you kill him, you can't then heal after he's dead before you go into the final boss. Like right. once you kill him, you're you're locked out of control until it transitions. Yeah, that's a. And I know that I've made this joke 
before first of all it was on iteration time before i go into a whole other thing uh there's two uh elements to that and one is obviously my impatience like i prefer to be able to tr- if i if i'm doing something that's difficult mm-hmm. i prefer to be able to try that thing over and over again as opposed to having to do something unrelated beforehand mm-hmm. um I've talked about this a million times, and I don't really need to reiterate it. Uh, if you've played this game, you've probably also played Dark Souls. You can listen to the Dark Souls episode. If you've probably played Bloodborne, listen to that episode. Uh-huh. Uh, I talk about this shit all the time on games like these. Um, but also, I'm. it's compounded with the fact that I'm a huge fan of the style of game that is difficult challenge very fast iteration time mm-hmm. like edmund mcmillan's platformers uh, uh super meat boy the end is nigh that kind of a thing mm-hmm. celeste uh hotline miami things like that where it's like it, the challenge itself is difficult and that isn't what i take a problem with the problem i have is the fact that i have to walk back up the fucking stairs every time but to compound the issue further uh and to go into what i was going to talk about before uh and I feel like I want to say right now that I do like this game to some, like, a meaningful extent. Like, I think this is a good game that people should try. Yeah, I also like it. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm going to describe some things that I think are antiquated and bad. And the first one is we've been making video games with bosses in them for, like, 30 years. And I feel like somewhere in the PlayStation 2 era, we collectively as a society figured out uh yeah i'm talking about societies and gamers we live in a society etc etc uh that you don't repeat the boss speech at the beginning of the boss every time you fight him you just gotta skip that yep and at least let you skip it by holding a button yeah and this does not you just walk in you mash on the a button to try and skip the dialogue as quickly as you possibly can uh, and it takes forever. And then the final boss has dialogue and a transition sequence, both of which take forever before you can get to the part of the boss that's actually hard. Yeah. And that kills me. Like, I hate that that's there. Because I wouldn't have even been as frustrated by the heavy RNG elements of the final boss if I could just try it again sooner. Yeah. it's. I think it's what's really the the nail in the coffin is that for me is that it's not just an RNG element. There's multiple. <laughs> yeah. Like it's... having to balance like the, the attacks it's doing with the platforms with your own, um, you know, and the sword and your ability to actually attack the boss, but only when it's little mask is open. Like <laughs> it's so much to juggle. Yeah. It's yeah. That where the sword's going to go. Where the platform's going. Yeah, the fact it can go off screen. Mm -hmm. It's real. And, like, it feels like the AI that governs what the sword does is really inconsistent because sometimes it comes toward you and doesn't attack. And then other times when you get near it, it kind of like tantalizingly (laughs) floats away. Yeah, it's like it rarely manages to attack you. And then all of a sudden, it'll be like real aggressive out of nowhere. (laughs) It's where it hadn't been before. It's really weird. Uh, And the other thing is more of a general complaint that I have that to me just makes no sense, um, but also increased the amount of time that it took between trying the boss again. When you rest at a shrine in this game, shrines being this game's equivalent of bonfires, Mm -hmm. um, 
you have to it, it doesn't refill your fervor but there's a mechanic like blood bullets in bloodborne where you can cut yourself with the mia culpa to increase your fervor by a, an amount which drains your health but because you do regain your health when you rest at the shrine the quote-unquote optimal play is to cut yourself until you get maximum uh fervor and then go back to sleep and then get up and go fight the boss so it adds this whole extra boring dumb step that you don't <laughs> want to do to the beginning when it could have just refilled your fervor because it effectively already is doing that it just feels strange it feels like a it it seems difficult to imagine that they overlooked it where maybe they just expected this to be like a secret mechanic or I'll something. Say, I didn't know you could do that. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but it did suck. Like, cause for a while there are bosses where, as I've described, I was reliant on the magic. Like I needed mm. the magic in order to, or needed maybe that was my strategy was to use spells. Yeah. And so in order to do that, I would have to refill the fervor bar, which depletes when you die. Uh, and so, uh, like having to do that every time, just like adds a few seconds and it adds more seconds, depending on how far hard the boss is. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I don't know. It just feels like a mistake to me. I agree. <laughs> Yeah, it left a really bad taste in my mouth. I pretty much didn't like anything about the final boss, so. But if we're done talking about that, mm -hmm. uh, something I really did like were the um, the old, or the, the woman who starts out as a young woman and becomes an old woman, and as we've already mentioned, the old man, mm -hmm. uh, as NPC, like, side quests, I guess you would call them. Yeah. Um, I thought those were really well implemented and interesting. I agree. Um, with at least one of them. I, I know that the old man like has more elements to him, and so it's easy to sort of like point him out and be like, that was cool, I liked that yeah, one. I don't know how that ends, though, like if I got to the end of his quest or not. Right. I don't think that you did if you didn't know, and I know that I didn't. Okay. Uh, well, then I didn't. Yeah. Uh, I'll have to, like, do a mild amount of research to figure out uh, what it is that actually happens. But yeah, I have, a, I have a soft spot for the uh, Ostrava slash Siegmeier style npc you have to help out throughout the game sort of thing oh yeah, yeah yeah i thought you were referring to a yet third character oh no no those are demon souls and dark souls characters yeah um no i and, and i agree i think that is a cool uh like element to it my problem with the the old lady slash young lady slash dead lady is i really liked how it's introduced because you have this like person who's just there like she's just hanging out and in, in, outside of one of the boss chambers and you talk to her and they're like oh i can help you in the, the next battle or whatever and you decide at that point whether you do or do not want them to come in uh if you're like me you go no let's try it 
before we do that, you go in, you die, and you come back, and you're like, okay, let's try it with help. And you do it that way, and maybe you die, maybe you don't, whatever. You then proceed to the next thing, and then she shows up again. And the intended shock that the person is now in, like, she's now aged, Mm -hmm. is legit. Like, I think they really nailed that. Uh, But it's really unclear to me what happens whether you let her just die of old age or continue living because I didn't, I refused her help for the rest of the game and she's there at the end and she gives you a spell, but you also got that spell and you let her die. Yeah. I used her every time because I just thought it was so like an interest, such an interesting setup Mm -hmm. and she helps you in the first half of the game and then dies. She will have aged out. Mm -hmm. Um, and when she dies, she's when she gives you that spell. So I guess you get it either way. Mm-hmm. But if you refuse her help, you get it later. Right, which seems like a negative consequence yeah. of not asking for help. But the, I, for me, or the way I read it is the way it's phrased is accepting her help is assent, and refusing it is descent. Right. So like I think she wants to help you and to do that. So helping her. Or her helping you is what she wants to do. Right. So doing that is what gives you the reward earlier, and denying her that gets it to you later. Right. Well, I don't even necessarily need it to be like a... Like, I didn't want to get to the end and then have her give me, like, the poison raging burning sort of doom or whatever. <laughs> like, I wanted... I just wanted some conclusion to it. And it wasn't given to me because it is obvious that she does want to help. Like even because I I think you get three. Yeah, it's three or four times she helps you. Yeah. So I only had her aid in one. And when I went to and like for each subsequent boss, she shows up and she's like, hey, let me help. I super want to help. It's like my whole purpose in life is to (laughs) help you. And I was like, nah. (laughs) <laughs> i want you to get older and also die uh so i did like you know i just kept doing that and she'll say things like uh ignore my fa- my frail frame because i'm i just love helping you so much just keep <laughs> just keep doing it uh <laughs> oh yeah play those bones uh and oh, yeah, i just... play those bones <laughs> that's my bone you're playing that's one of my bones she just played but anyway uh but yeah, like I, I just wanted there to be something to it. No, uh, I agree. It feels like it's clearly a branching path, and mm-hmm. there doesn't feel like there's a payoff for one of the routes, and there is for the other. It's like the little sisters in Blas er, in Blasmus in, <laughs> in Bioshock, where it's like you can choose to kill them or harvest them, but it does kind of the same thing and choosing one of them is just better yeah and one of them is feels like the developers just thought of as the right choice and the other one is kind of neglected anyway uh (laughs) i did uh look it up and the first of all that guy's name is redento Uh, okay and uh, he has his ending is uh, we actually i assume did you get three relics from him the the three toes yeah okay. I, I i the last time i saw him he was in the cathedral area 
and he gave me something. Yeah. There's one further step where that neither of us did, where you meet him in the Mother of Mothers, which is like at the top of the cathedral. Uh, uh, and if you are wearing all of the rosaries that he gave you, you can then move a statue and it gives you a relic that lets you jump in mud. Hooray. <laughs> uh, I, I can think of at least two areas where you could use that to get to something. Yeah, I remember there being a few, but that that gives you that relic and then he dies mm. because of course, of course yeah. And it gives you another knot of of rosary rope. Ah, okay. Which I think I missed like five. Oh yeah, I didn't have that many. <laughs> I had like maybe half. Yeah. But those two are standouts because they follow you and they're easy to interact with. They get their points across and they draw like this clear story about mm-hmm. them they're they're developed but there are other npcs in this game yeah everything in the town mm-hmm. just like there is the people like there's just a whole bunch of sick people there and yeah. there's like one of them you can talk to so it's kind of easy to miss him uh but i i talked to him a couple times at the beginning and then came back there like hours later and then just handed him like 10 things. <laughs> just a pile of shit, and I'm yeah. like, I don't even remember what it all ended up doing. It's He's looking for medical supplies, mm. but things that are medical supplies are not things that in 2020 you assume <laughs> are medical supplies. They're like a bulb of sick garlic that's like, great. Yeah, like rosemary and <laughs> yeah. th- things like that some herbs yeah some herbs <laughs> one of them was just a cloth i was like yeah reward me for giving you one cloth hey, i mean clean cloth was probably hard to come by it's true it's but true as you said we don't think about that yeah uh and then he gives you like little rewards like you'll get uh collectibles you're like rosary mm. beads and stuff like that which is cool but like very unclear like how to go about continuing that quest yeah did uh, you ever find anything for foot bath man oh god I took one item to him. I'm trying to even remember because there was a thing that where I took two different r- items to it, and I didn't have the third. And I don't know if that's foot bath person or not. It's the one where you go. There's a statue of a guy. Yeah. And you talk to the statue, and they appear in this all white area with a bunch of stone statues in it. Mm. And then you walk up, and there's a big stone statue. <laughs> And you can talk to it and give it donations. Okay. Yeah, I think I did, but I didn't give it everything. Yeah, I, I also could not find, and I didn't know, looking at my inventory, could not tell what things might go there. Exactly. So I ended up going to all of these things, because, yeah, there's also another one where it's like, present the this of that, and mm-hmm. you're like, sure, I guess. And you do that, and I just go around to all of them and be like, do I have anything? And it's like, no. Yeah, there's also, like, there was the tree. There's a part where you fight the, there's, like, a mini boss that, like, calls down lightning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's, like, a tree in the middle of that arena that you can present stuff to. And there's also another guy that's, like, nailed to a tree on the mountain area. Yep. Never went back to those places. Like Same. It's, yeah, it's bad it. It puts those things in places that are not easy to get to and then doesn't really incentivize you to go back to them. Right. Because it doesn't even tell you what you get. Exactly. Like. <sighs> it doesn't even hint to it. Yeah. In any way. It's like. Because you feel like you're getting all the things you need. Like you don't. Or at least you feel like you're amassing a pile of shit. Yeah. Like you're like, this has to be useful somewhere, right? I picked up the black glowy orb. Yeah. 
I did think it was interesting or intriguing, but it ended up going nowhere. Um, <laughs> the spirit in the uh, acolyte area that where all the uh, penitent ones are from uh, that you present like the balls of wax to, like the candle wax. There's like a little spirit. Oh yeah, the one that's like, yeah, I know. What you're yeah, talking about. I thought that was intriguing, and thought yeah. that would that would also be like a quest line. Like maybe if I gave her enough, she'd speak. You know. Oh wait, maybe I don't know. We the balls of wax. I think do they normally act as rosaries that you can just use to increase your health? Yeah. I never gave them to anybody. Or maybe you you give her something and she gives those to you, or like there's some interaction there. I can't remember exactly what happens. Right. Because like you go into her room and there's a candle lit. And you get the wax from it, and then you talk to her, which introduces the idea. Okay, of, yeah. Know. Okay, I think that they that she appears in like multiple locations. Oh, uh, okay, that's yeah. the only place I ever found her. Okay. Um, and I just I thought something would happen with that, and I never found it if it exists. There's also the the person who uh, weaves the rosary knots, mm-hmm. who's like suspended by like all the thread. Yeah. Uh, also a very cool image. Also doesn't really get used much as far as like the plot elements go yeah uh even the like i don't even know they have like the patron of wounds or whatever the woman with all the swords in her yeah is like a cool thing that doesn't get much explanation like no i was okay with that one though so it's like a clear mechanical thing right but yeah that kind of an element is cool like compare that with the um the altars that you go to clear your guilt it's like just a statue yeah you know like having it be like a weird goddess with swords in her is like way cooler and memorable of a thing yeah and it is it's it's very interesting especially like with the art style like the game chooses well when it wants to go into like a more detailed uh it has like cutscenes. yeah and they're they do these like close-ups and things like you'll see your character in more relief and it's like i don't know there's a really strong visual through line where you can tell like when the cutscenes come up like they really like poured their fucking heart and soul into making those look good yeah it's good it's trying to emulate those paintings right like that that renaissance era kind of art or post renaissance but um it in yeah there's a lot more like contrast and it's like almost got this kind of uncanny quality to it in a way and it's just it's very good at emote or evoking the emotions it wants to yeah uh so when i was playing uh my first playthrough uh I got to a decent ways into the game, like a couple hours, and then I encountered a bug where all my uh, huh. flasks or I was calling them bile vessels. I don't know if that's what they're actually called. It's like bile something. It's yeah. it's yeah. But uh, they all disappeared. Yeah. And I had to start the game over, uh, and I could not find any information on it. I read some stuff where people would have one of them disappear, but I had like. F- five or four or five at that point and they just all went away Mm -hmm. so i just wanted to throw that out there as a thing that happened to me in the game yeah this is like so not a thing that we normally talk about and there are a couple of elements to this that like i'm really lukewarm on this being uh read as like a a take necessarily Mm -hmm. but like one the game was a kickstarter game and the budget was limited the team is very small and uh 
this is like their second proper game that they've made, like a sophomore effort. Yeah. Um, and I think it did turn out pretty well. This game has a lot of bugs in it, though. It's very strange. Um, there are a couple of like minor things that I noticed a lot is like your character's positioning. Uh, it's obvious when the screen transitions are happening because sometimes you'll like jump into an area and you can see your character physically appear in the bottom of the screen before the transition actually happens. Uh, I never noticed that. Uh, in the final boss, which I noticed because I had to repeat the final boss like 30 <laughs> times, uh, there it's inconsistent when it stops your movement uh, mm. during the thing to the point where one time I did a charge attack before his like opening speech. And when he appeared, he was like right in front of me, <laughs> like an arm's length away, uh, which made it like very strange to like uh, move into the actual combat encounter because you could hit him immediately. Uh, and another thing that was present with the final boss, but I also noticed in other places is anything that teleports will leave like lingering hit boxes as well. Uh, so you can just run into thin air and take damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. There were some weird ways I found I could kind of like manipulate the wizard Pope uh, <laughs> second to last boss. Where, like, if I kind of, like, charged him and, like, kept really close to him, I could kind of lock him down and wail on him. Like, mm-hmm. I, it felt like I could kind of manipulate his uh, his uh, AI a bit. Yeah. And so. if you hit him before, like, his shield goes up, it'll cancel yeah. the attack sometimes. Or it will continue the attack and then he'll vanish and go somewhere else. Yeah, it'll have little inconsistencies like that. That kind of, you know, like, uh, QA testing, you know polish yeah and i think i mean it's a testament to just how complicated games are to make to some extent Mm -hmm. but then additionally it's also like this game was kickstarted i backed the kickstarter uh two years ago two and a half years ago something like that Mm -hmm. and they had a uh like an estimated release date and they fucking stuck to it like the game came out i don't think that they ever delayed it and i think that those deadlines and the like them trying to release the game when they said they were going to, especially with the sort of bad rep that Kickstarter has gotten, mm-hmm. um, where people will be like, oh, I backed this game and it didn't come out for a million years, or I backed this game and it was shitty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they really wanted to sort of like put out a quality product on the, at the time, and I think that sort of inhibited their ability to do some of that QA testing. Uh, it's weird how inconsistent the glitches are, though. Like, knowing that the the bile vessel glitch is a thing that has happened but in a different way mm-hmm. is bizarre like i couldn't find a single instance of all the bile vessels vanishing no yeah me neither and we were playing the switch version yeah. if anyone out there uh, has had that happen to them too let us know yeah <laughs> but uh, cuz we couldn't we we couldn't find anything about it cuz i was like desperately trying to find a way to get them back right it does seem like like, I thought I was just going to quit right there. Yeah. No. Uh, but I stuck it out just for you. Uh, <laughs> You're welcome. No, but I think the Kickstarter pressure almost kind of benefits it in a way, too, because I think this game manages, like, its scope. Like, I think that's the, the bane of a lot of Kickstarter projects. Um, Ukulele and A Hat in Time, I think, are the perfect example of this, where... A Hat in Time is 
kind of a short game, but it because of that it's high quality all the way through. And with ukulele, they tried to deliver something on the scale of like a banjo kazooie, and it ended up with a rough product because games are really fucking expensive to make, especially three <laughs> D ones, and yeah. uh, it's hard to make something of triple A quality on a Kickstarter budget. Yeah. Uh, some would say probably impossible yeah. to do. So I think those deadlines and expectations and things kind of probably help to focus the project. Yeah. And I agree. This is one of those games. This actually might be a final thought. So we'll maybe come back to it. Um, but I, I don't want to disparage the game for having glitches. Obviously, when you have a game breaking glitch, like the one that you experienced, it kind of sucks. Yeah. But like. I don't know, there are AAA games that have glitches like that that occur, and they don't tank particularly hard because of it, because normally they get patched out. Um, I don't know, I, I would like to see a little bit more cleanliness, generally, but at the same time, like I'm more than willing to forgive it for the focus that this game had. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said you were going to delay your final thoughts, but... Well, I was just going to put it in the final thoughts. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, because I think I'm about out of stuff. That was going to be my question. Do we have fervored thoughts? <laughs> um, I think we came off critical on this, and, you know, um, that just kind of happens with a Kickstarter indie project. You know, there's going to be uh, ups and downs in there. But if you like metroidvanias especially like action oriented ones this is worth a look uh it it's unique in its aesthetics and atmosphere and all that as we've uh mentioned and to a lot of people i think that's kind of the selling point so if you like how it looks if you like that kind of gameplay um this delivers i think um for me it kind of lacked that cherry on top that extra like you know extra 10 percent to really like make it great but for what it was uh like in the meat and potatoes of it which is you know the most important part of a game you know uh that middle part it it was a lot of fun to explore it was satisfying the combat was satisfying like it it was the game was easy to get into like a flow state with and just kind of plow through it and you know so i enjoyed my time with it and uh, look forward to like seeing anything else this team might put out in the future. Yep. Uh, yeah, this game, the developer of this game had one game before this. Uh, and we didn't mention it because neither of us have played it. Uh, but I've heard actually decent things about it. It's called The Last Door. Uh, and it was like kind of an adventure style game. So it was interesting to see this type of game come from that studio um but when i think about this game generally speaking it feels like the very close to being the ideal of this kind of a project i feel like it has its focus and it stumbles in places like you would expect uh, but for like the budget and the style of game that they were going for, they really did try and make everything sort of meet the expectations that you would have going in. Mm-hmm. I think outside of the art, uh, which is outstanding for the most part all the way through, 
um, it really doesn't go above and beyond that. And I think that's where it meets expectations, but does not exceed many. Yeah. Uh, and it puts it right on the cusp there. And I think the, the broken nature of, of some of the elements of the game do detract a little bit, which puts this at kind of like an above average sort of area for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I enjoyed my time. It wasn't super long, uh, which is my main complaint when games like this come can't come out like... I wasn't able to play through the surge because I knew that it was going to be a game that took like 50 fucking hours and I just wasn't in it for it. Yeah. Uh, but I was there for this. I, I liked this game a lot. Uh, it, it did feel like it could have had an extra third. Yeah, probably just something to like pad out, uh, not pad out necessarily, but like it increased the depth. Yeah. It. Uh, and that would have been nice. There is, stuff here for you if you are a like completionist type but i don't think it's very satisfying to do mm-hmm. so my recommendation is to definitely play this game but play it like you would play any other fucking game just play it to beat it <laughs> yeah just play through as much as you can mm-hmm. and don't let all of your bio vessels get deleted by the game <laughs> Cross your fingers that that doesn't happen to you. <laughs> now that we've planted that seed in your oh, mind. I was so paranoid the whole playthrough. <laughs> I was fucking again. paranoid. <laughs> I don't know what caused that, man, but it didn't happen a second time, <laughs> luckily. Thank you for listening to Clip this week. What are we talking about next time? Next time, we're going to be talking about Life is Strange 2. I wasn't sure for a second <laughs> if it was like chapter two. It's not. It's just two. Yep. The uh, second sequel we'll have ever talked about to a game that we've done before. Is that true? Yep. Kingdom, Kingdom Hearts, Hearts 3 was the first one. Wow. Sequel we did. Well, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> that is an interesting tidbit, I yep. guess. Uh until that time, you can get a hold of us. All of our contact information is on our website at noclippodcast.com. There you can find links to our Twitter, our Discord, where you can come talk about these games, uh, links to all of our old episodes, as well as our YouTube channel, uh, our iTunes page, the Google page, where you can find all of our episodes on devices and shit. Uh <laughs> Uh, check them out. Check out other indie games. Check out other games that were funded by Kickstarter campaigns, like I think just Broken Age, um, Hyperlight Drifter, oh uh, yeah, Undertale. Okay, I lied, but you can listen to those too. <laughs> uh, flagellate that subscribe button. Elanguate that bell. Uh, goodbye. Crucify <laughs> that comment section. Watch what you say as to not get crucified in the comment section. There it is. We found, we struggled a little. Yes, I was trying to think of all these elaborate like, uh, time period appropriate words and crucifixion was just the 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 simple one to go with yeah don't overthink it you know that's that's the lesson for today
elanguation, like cut someone's tongue out. Like, why do I even know that word? I don't know. I thought you meant to say exsanguinate, which is to remove the blood from. Oh, well, that would also be a good one. Uh, bye. Bye. Stay tuned for our vocabulary podcast. <laughs>